Attention, podcast listener. We've got an exciting new podcast coming just for patrons of patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. Talking Futurama Season 2 Part 1 has begun exclusively for our $5 and up patrons on the Talking Simpsons Network. That's the first 10 episodes of Futurama coming to you once a week. So just sign up for $5 a month at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons and you'll get Talking Futurama Season 2 and all of our limited miniseries, including the entirety of Talking Futurama Season 1. That's 30 episodes. That is patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. Now please enjoy the rest of this podcast. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talking Simpsons where visitors will be shot. I'm your host, your misunderstood friend, Bob Mackey, and this is our chronological exploration of The Simpsons who is here with me today. The most charismatic person since Jolson, Henry Gilbert. And who do we have on the line? Andrew Jupin from We Hate Movies. Excellent. Woo! And today's episode is Homer's Odyssey. All he does is lie there like an unemployed whale. Today's episode aired on January 21st, 1990, and as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real-world history. <gasps> oh my god! Oh boy, Bobby, MTV Unplugged debuts with the band Squeeze in the first episode oh, okay. of the series. Tremors makes a very small box office debut, and classic actress of the silver screen Barbara Stanwyck passes away. Double indemnity mm-hmm. which yeah. was the basis for the most clumsy Simpsons episode title oh, ever. Yes. Dumbbell <laughs> indemnity uh, Tremors was a good time that was a VHS favorite of mine as a child. I did like the first one but then there were several uh, dozen sequels I didn't watch any and those. then like maybe like a sci-fi series or something like a syndicated series yeah. and somewhere along the way Jamie Kennedy got involved, and you know what, Tremors? You can forget it. Mm-hmm. Tremors has been X'd. Is that his thing? <laughs> oh, he does actually. Yeah, you got X'd. Yeah. That, there's a reference to that in Arrested Development, so we'll always know about him Xing people, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, and MTV Unplugged, the, uh, you know, a favorite of Gen Xers watching bands play with acoustic instruments and everything. The uh, I don't think I saw the squeezed one. I mean, the, the one... Our generation remembers this Nirvana one because oh, everybody's yeah. like, oh, sure, he, he killed yeah. himself after this. It's sad. That but, was but it's uh, also great. Released great. Uh, posthumously, right? It was I like, think so. It was like, uh, I got it for Christmas of 94, and I just heard a song from that somewhere in public, mm-hmm. like over like an uh, internet, like uh, radio or something like that. I thought he was like the originator of the man who sold the world. Uh, Jeff oh, that's the cover I heard. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the best song yeah. of, uh, of his unplugged set. I thought yeah. Metal Gear Solid 5 wrote that song. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cover. Cover in that uh, video game too. It is, yeah. Because it has very thematic importance that it's a cover. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yes, our special guest today is Andrew Drupin. He's back Woo. from the amazing podcast We Hate Movies. Last week we had Eric Siska, so we have another member of the amazing We Hate Movies crew. Welcome, Andrew. Oh, thanks so much, guys. Uh, yeah, I am so happy to be back. I love talking Simpsons. Uh, Thank so- you. Had a lot of fun the last time, and you're just you're going through our stable of guys. I really appreciate that. <laughs> we love all of you equally. Yeah, we Aww. love you as much as you hate movies. <laughs> <laughs> we have a chart here. Yeah. Uh, so what is your experience with season one, Andrew? You know, it's so funny. I'm prepping for a move right now, so our house is in disarray, uh, but I just pulled out the season one DVD set. Ooh. 
which I don't think I've opened probably since my, I would say, first year of college. So we're talking mm. like 2002. You know, I've just traveled around with this DVD case. Yeah, I don't know. It's one of those things. I, watching this episode, it made me realize that what I do for the most part is pretend like this season doesn't exist. Mm. I think a lot of people have, but uh, <laughs> upon revisiting it, I think we're finding a lot more value in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's It's been really... I, when I guest on other shows, I try not to take too many notes because like that's what I do for our show. So I was just kind of like taking notes here of like things that look different. <laughs> and it's like, it's really cool to see you know, the evolution that the show has had uh, over the years. And I will say, though, and I texted this to, to my guys while I was watching it, it's shocking that this show ever became a thing. That's yeah. what I, 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 I think, you know... It's really stupendous, obviously. Yeah. But wow, what a what a what a thing they lucked into. I think Henry said that on our last episode, like a series of miracles happened. Yes. And that's so why the show many. is huge. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, like perfect place, perfect time. And I also think like the order of episodes that aired were the right ones. And I mm -hmm. think I think also they really recognize like these set of episodes have enough Bart in them that you can see how they caused Bart Mania. Yes. Yeah. But which is really who was popular not the simpsons yeah. but bart mm -hmm. himself in 1990 this is one of the weirder season one episodes oh, yeah. and i think it might have some of the sloppier writing of this season it's not quite as tight we'll get into that more later no disgrace is the most sloppy writing that, you're right I about think. that yeah. yeah but this is close yes this is very close but up front we're doing like little writers corners for these uh, season one writers because we never did that so i want to talk about the writers for this episode uh, jay kogan and wally waldarski i'll talk about them separately they were a writing pair who left in season four which is why bill oakley and josh weinstein could join the crew because mm -hmm. there was a spot for a writing team there yeah that's amazing like if they hadn't gotten their development deal two of our favorite writers that ever worked on the simpsons would wouldn't have been hired they just wouldn't have had jobs on the show that's very true uh so jay kogan is the son of classic tv writer arnie kogan and you can hear both of them on a few episodes of the gilbert gottfried podcast talking about showbiz that. I so, heard that. nepotism yeah. and <laughs> That checks off the Gottfried yeah. podcast reference for this episode. Uh, I, I don't know if they're Harvard guys, though. So both uh, Kogan and Waladarski started on Tracy Ullman. So they mm. were they rolled from Tracy Ullman into the Simpsons proper. Yeah, I guess Kogan replaced Harvard with uh, Hollywood College of a family. <laughs> Hollywood Upstairs Writing College. Uh, yes. So uh, Jay Kogan is one of the three writers on the great uh, Dave Foley vehicle, The Wrong Guy. Mm -hmm. Really good movie. Uh, so he left The Simpsons in season four. He went on to write for a lot of TV like uh, Ned and Stacy, Frasier, Malcolm yeah. in the Middle, and mm -hmm. a ton of other credits on IMDb. Uh, he is on Twitter as Jay Kogan. So let's move on to Wally Waldarski. He he was the visual basis for Otto. Yes. The way yeah. Otto looks in this episode <laughs> and forever is how Wally looked in 1988. That's, wow, I did not know that. That's incredible. And that, he used to be proud of that. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> well, it's especially funny because if... If any film fan out there has seen Wally Walidarski, it's because of an on-screen appearance he makes as a small role in the film Darjeeling Limited. That's a crazy credit. But the joke in the movie is that he has alopecia, and so he fully <laughs> shaved his head and eyebrows, so he is completely hairless in his most famous on-screen role. I totally forgot about that. So yes, he left The Simpsons in season four, and he went to the world of movies. So in 1995, he directed this Jason Priestley funny hitman movie called Cold blooded it's like lost to time yeah. completely but it was a jason <laughs> Priestley vehicle 
That sounds like one of those 800 movies that got greenlit after Pulp Fiction succeeded. Uh, oh, yeah, a thousand know? percent. Yeah. Uh, also, he directed 2002's uh, Sorority Boys, which oh. he was probably like directing during the recording of right. this commentary or just about to direct it. Yeah. So like, like a Harlan, is it Williams? That the guy? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah. comic. The, the lesser Jim Brewer. Mm-hmm. And then we have also uh, 2004 Seeing Other People. I don't know what that is, but he does a lot of writing for movies, movies like The Rocker, uh, oh. Monsters vs. Aliens, and the two dog-killing movies, A Dog's Purpose oh. and A Dog's Journey. Oh, wow. So hopefully he's, no dogs were harmed in the wow. sequel, A Dog's Journey. He's, uh, man, I, I mean, honestly, those are films everybody wants to see now about dog-dying movies <laughs> like that. I, at the, this recent Christmas, we were, I was sitting with my mom and stepdad, and we were perusing movies that we could watch on Netflix, and they briefly stopped on I think dog's purpose. And I was like, no, we're not watching that. I'm going to see a dead body. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. That uh, I was like, I don't want to watch dogs dying with my mom. On Christmas. Yeah. Uh, So last credit is Wes Archer. So he is one of the godfathers of the Simpsons. He's the director of this episode. And I believe if you go back to our David Silverman interview on the Patreon, he met David Silverman when they were working on animation together for the kind of sequel to better off dead one crazy summer. So Mm -hmm. they were working on the animations for that movie. So he was on The Simpsons from the Tracy Allman shorts onward. He left at the end of season seven to be on King of the Hill for about 11 or 12 years. And from then, he's worked on things like uh, The Good Family and Rick and Morty. I believe he's currently supervising uh, director on that. Mm -hmm. And he's also directed a ton of things like Disenchantment, Bob's Burgers, Futurama, and so many other isolated shows. So Wes Archer, we got to talk to him sooner or later. But he's on Instagram. He does commissions. He seems like a really friendly guy, but uh, one of the architects of The Simpsons along with David Silverman. I think it's truly crazy that Wes Archer is the only credited storyboarder on this as well. Like that is in an, an immense amount of work putting on a guy who's directing his first ever television episode. Yeah. Like that's that's crazy. I, I did want to add to the Kogan Walidarski thing that yeah, they were they were the first writers hired because they were just like Brooks They were in like, the room. <laughs> we're working on we're working on this show, spin-off from Allman, come over here and help us pitch out scripts. And uh Kogan is very active on Twitter and very quick to answer questions about his time on the show and he says that like while this was the third produced episode it was the first finished script this is the first finished script of the simpsons which it makes even more sense why they went with the obvious pun title in their first script yeah. too, with homer's odyssey it was west archer's first episode of tv he directed and their first full episode of uh, television they yeah. wrote together so a lot of firsts <laughs> just like the last episode we did a lot of firsts are happening here there's a lot of first appearances here and also jay kogan tells a funny story on the commentary that they just didn't know Marge's name and they called her like Juliet in the script. And Mr. Burns didn't have a name yet when they were writing the script. It's uh, a lot of things were still being developed at the time that they were handed this project. Oh, and one other person I meant to reference before, but I hadn't. Uh, I did want to bring up J. Michael Menzel, who was their line producer from season episode one of The Simpsons up through uh, the into the teens of seasons, I believe. Uh, and he left and worked on a bunch of shows, including Rick and Morty. Sadly, he you know passed away oh, last right. year yeah. unexpectedly. Okay. Yeah. So just shout out to J. Michael Menzel, R.I.P. I think it's Mendel. Mendel. Fuck. Yes. Yes. He's rolling in his grave now, Henry. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> You've cursed I'm the sorry. dead. <laughs> 
but anyway, yeah, that's uh, a, a whole lot of background to this, which also like this is full of first appearances this episode too. Like it's it's crazy how many there are. Uh, Andrew, do you have, uh, did, were you watching this when it first aired 30 years ago? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell you where I was in 1990. I will say, I do remember actually, I think the first episode of this show, it might not be the first one I ever watched, but I have my first memory of a Simpsons episode is whatever Halloween special I think they did, um, the Mr. Burns as Dracula. So that's much later. Oh, wow. Yeah, it is. Um, that is way later. <laughs> maybe that's the one I'm thinking of, or maybe mm. it's the, is, what is the one? It's, uh, it was a Halloween special, whichever one it was. And it may be now that I'm thinking of it, it's the one where he builds the Homer robot. It's the Frankenstein parody. Oh, that'd be uh, like 92. Yeah, it's a season yeah. three one. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I th that is where I, I think I kind of came in. So I didn't watch this live, but mm. obviously caught it in reruns a bunch. I remember, though, always not liking it because <laughs> of the and it's nothing to do with like the production or, you know, anything like that. Just the the safety jag that Homer goes on in this episode always drove <laughs> me fucking crazy. <laughs> And I just, I just, you know, I just watch it. And I'm like, you fucking nerd. <laughs> For me, it's one of those weird memories I have of this episode. Like I took five years of French throughout uh, high school and college. I can't tell you a word of French, but I know what was happening <laughs> on this day when I was watching the episode, because right after the educational film parody, our cable went out. Uh, so I had to wait for the rerun to find out what happened to Homer. I had no idea he was going to kill himself in this episode. <laughs> I I watched this one live as a child. We taped every from the first episode. We taped every episode in the Gilbert House. But I think my seven year old brain just turned off once Bart was no longer the main character for the the next two acts were less memorable to me. Probably better. So I don't think about like, what if my father lost his job <laughs> and killed himself? Like, I, I, I do want to say, like, you know, content warning, if you don't want to hear talk about, you know, self harm, because that's key to discussing this episode so you can know, i ask yeah. what uh what was the motivation for you guys to be taping this show from the jump were you big Allman fans or something uh my mom really loved the tracy Allman show but from which is how i started watching the shorts and i was just so into the shorts uh -huh. that uh i was there on day one of the christmas special and i think too like we had maybe just gotten a vcr so the excitement of taping mm, anything off sure. of tv so it was like many things with the simpsons a uh happenstance a a positive happenstance we're like well if we like taping things so much off of television and we're enjoying the show the simpsons let's just keep taping it so yeah, yeah. oh that's so funny how long do you know how long you guys went taping the episodes i think it was the 12th halloween special of season 13 mm. wow. i think that was when we were finally like uh i i was the one watching over it but i was starting to go to uh community college and and i was liking the show less and plus 9-11 it happened and that changed all our lives so <laughs> oh I, sure that'll, that'll make you stop taping tv so I, yes that's that's when i stopped i think a lot of people were taping these though because between the christmas special and the first episode of season one there were maybe like three weeks so plenty of time to gin up excitement you know they've mm -hmm. like go out and get your blank tapes people it's coming <laughs> <laughs> 
but so this episode begins with a, uh, a kind of a light chalky gag saying I will not skateboard in the halls, which I guess the joke is that he writes that and then he immediately is skateboarding oh, out the door. I guess that the is school. the joke. That's the show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and most of the original couch gags are based around the fact that the couch is too small for five people. This this time the couch explodes when full of so many people. Uh, and there's really interesting pacing for this episode that it starts with like the entire first act is all Bart. It is just a Bart episode. It really is. It's front loaded with Bart antics. Yeah. And, and I well, thought I turned on the wrong episode. I was like, <laughs> Fuck, where is Homer? <laughs> it's called Homer's Odyssey. And he has his first line at like minute seven of the episode. But yes, we we start with Bart, uh, the second appearance of Marsha Wallace as Mrs. Krabappel, and we get the first appearance uh, of Otto, the bus driving man. (laughs) Now, class, I don't want this field trip to be a repeat of our infamous visit to the Springfield State Prison. So I want you all to be on your best behavior, especially you, Bart Simpson. Mrs. Krabappel, I didn't unlock that door. Oh, sorry, little dudes. Party hardy equals tardy. All right, children. Count off. One, two, three. Hey, Otto. Hey, Otto, man. Hey, Bart, dude. Any new tattoos, Otto? Oh, funny you should ask, man. This morning I woke up with this one. Whoa, I want one. (laughs) Not till you're 14, my little friend. He's got a real, uh, more realistic stoner voice in his first yeah, appearance. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. He's a little more assertive later, like, now I drive the school nah, bus. He has a lot more energy. Yeah, this really is like, I'm tired. <laughs> well, I think the difference here is that, you know, maybe early on in the series, Otto is preferring to smoke, like, some Indica strains. Oh. And he's like, you know what, man? Like, I'm going to have to concentrate on the road. Better switch <laughs> over to Sativa's. I drive better that way. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I do... The running gag of his tattoos, I had forgotten about that when, until this came up. I was like, oh, yeah, the joke was he used to have a shocking tattoo. Mm. Like, uh, I remember in, it, I think the last time they did it was in the auto show when Marge sees a giant flaming skull on his back and he says, you should see my butt. Oh, that's right. That, that show famously <laughs> killed Otto. Yes, that was, they They thought he'd be the breakout guy. Like, they're like, the spinoff will be the auto show. He's the best character. Everybody loves him. <laughs> it's it's crazy. I mean, it's funny to give. I like them having the burnout school bus driver be who Bart looks up to. Like that's it's a it's a funny hero to give him. Absolutely, it's a Bart's so excited because it's like looking into a crystal ball. Like, yes. <laughs> he thinks he's seeing his future, and it fucking rules. <laughs> and I loved how fucked up Otto's teeth are and his mouth chart. They're so bad. There's like he's missing every other one. Yeah, it's it's an extreme version of the uh, Mo teeth. Oh, I want to get to that later. We'll get to Mo later. We'll talk about that later. But we also get uh, the one joke Wendell ever had. His one joke, you see it in episode three, (laughs) no more Wendell. Uh, good old Wendell. I thought, uh, I mean, he really stuck out to me as a kid. I was like, we're going to be seeing Wendell all the time, the queasy bus kid. But once he's thrown up once, the joke's over with him. You've, you've spent the one joke that Wendell has. <laughs> uh, well, I also the gag that uh, they went to the prison and Bart apparently freed a bunch of prisoners. <laughs> That's you, a great joke. I just also love the notion that like Springfield Elementary would be like, you know, what's a good idea for a field trip. Jail. Yeah, <laughs> jail. 
I, we I, took a, a trip to juvenile hall, uh, like a field whoa, trip there, like kind of really? like a scared straight thing. And then the mm. teacher cried on the way back because we were making fun of it the entire time. No. So oh, we learned geez. nothing. Uh, we took a field trip literally to the town dump in the seventh grade. <laughs> oh, man. I, uh, I think I recall going to like a county jail or something in junior high, too, like, as a field trip, not personally. Uh, but I can't I can't remember what the reasoning for it was i uh well also you know speaking of freeing prisoners maggie and marge will both later crash into walls and free prisoners so it's a, oh yeah a thing that happens right. in the family uh i love all of bart's freakish classmates they there's some real mutants in this episode oh, the real mutant overload comes in act three <laughs> yes yeah oh yeah. yeah i think henry were you tweeting about that a few days ago i was uh, Bob did a screen. <laughs> oh that yeah, was yeah. me yeah i was trying yeah, to capture I was all the freaks at those screenshots and i was like my god it's like a whole bunch of fucking quasimodos <laughs> uh you uh, know i i was looking at the credits and i think i know a culprit of these crazy looking characters which is them having fun it's not like i'm a bad artist who draws poorly it's them drawing funny pictures which they thought the tone was credited on this is character designer steve fellner also known as istvan fellner mm. uh he is a klasky chupa regular it has a ton of credits on Duckman and rugrats where these Ooh. kind of freakish drawings are much more welcome and and less looked at as strange Wow, hearing you say that production company now all of a sudden yeah a lot of that makes mm. perfect sense yeah. <laughs> uh yeah i mean this is the klasky chupo we said it before but this is klasky chupo's first regular weekly half hour production too like they're everyone's wow. learning on this everybody is uh i also think bart's uh, hearing about the tattoo if you were to see this in production order mm. it would explain why bart wants a tattoo for christmas in the christmas special which wow. was produced after it uh but yes on the bus there's some i love the smear of bart running onto the bus like that's a really fun uh cartoony drawing and then on there, yes, we have the first appearance of Wendell, who will not be important at all, and the first appearance of Sherry and Terry, who actually will make a lot more appearances. But I don't think they realized how little they would matter in the grand scheme of things. Mm -hmm. Like, they are such minor characters. I mean, they just fill out space when Lisa needs another girl to yeah. talk to pretty much. I, I yeah. think they were trying to figure out a dynamic like, oh, they could be the people who tease Bart and then like, oh, and their dad is Homer's boss at the plants. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. And never came back. Uh, but Sherry and Terry voiced by the late Rusie Taylor as well. And just recently they were played for the first time by Gray Delisle, who is the new voice actress for hmm. Rusie's parts on the show. Yes. How's that working out? Uh, I haven't heard it. I can't say. Uh -huh. <laughs> I mean, gotcha. Gray Delisle is a very accomplished voice actress. She's been Daphne on Scooby-Doo for 20 years. So I, wow. I, uh, yeah, they, and she's the new Daphne on that too. Like she's, uh, <laughs> oh, but anyway, yes. Bart has a queasy new friend. Bart, Bart Simpson. Take your seat, Bart. Oh, <laughs> not next to Wendell. He pukes on every bus ride. No offense, Wendell. Oh. Be that as it may, it's the only seat left. So get in there. <laughs> Please try not to shake the seat like that. Now, class, remember, do not stick any part of your body out the window. We all know the tragic story of the young man who stuck his arm out the window and had it ripped off by a big truck coming in the other direction. And I was that boy. <laughs> Bart Simpson, sit down. 
Just about enough of your tomfoolery. I don't feel so hot. <laughs> I do. Uh, one of my favorite jokes in this is Bart lightly sits down and Wendell goes, please don't shake the seat like that. <laughs> That's a good joke. Yeah. Right? I also like that we see more of Bart's like uh, show boatsmanship, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's quite the class clown already. And, and also the story of the arm getting ripped off. It will pay off in two episodes of mm. Bart the General in a, uh, in a funny joke. This then is our first real tour of Springfield to give you the look of it. And I think um, there's so many toxic waste nuclear power jokes in this that I think really reflect the 80s roots of The Simpsons. I think so. Totally. Yeah. Not that in the 90s we shouldn't have also worried about nuclear waste, uh, nuclear waste, but we just kind of stopped thinking about it, I think, really. and well, I mean, we definitely do. It's like that hot button you know, thing that you found in pop culture. It's the same thing like the 80s and I guess like sort of into the 90s had uh, we we went on that hilarious run of jokes about like how disgusting sushi is in oh, a lot yeah. of comedy, you know, and I, I sort of like put that in the same bucket as nuclear power jokes of all kinds. But this is really the first time I think in a TV show you could make a town like this and explore it mm. because I mean, otherwise you'd just be building new sets and things yeah, like that or filming true. on location. Like maybe uh, your uh, Cosby show, but bad example. Maybe your full house would have yeah. like, here's the TV show set we go to every three episodes, but they're always in the house. So yeah, it's very hard to explore a town in a live action series. You wouldn't have a joke of them driving to a new place and being like, here's the towns, whatever. And uh, when also like Full House is set in San Francisco. So I mean, it, no part of that show yeah. has anything to do with the Bay no, Area. I know. What are you talking about? Wake <laughs> up, Except San for the Francisco. opening, the opening titles. That's it. <laughs> Bob Saget is, uh, or sorry, Danny Tanner is the host of Wake Up San Francisco. I've never He's, seen him. <laughs> uh, I guess, you know, if I were to think of a live action thing that did this, it'd be like like the growing weirdness of Mayberry on uh, on the Andy Griffith show. I can see maybe that. Close to yeah. it, but yeah, I love that they write Springfield as a town that not only has nuclear waste, but happy workers proudly work there in a big sign that calls it toxic waste dump. Like to, <laughs> to, the, the point of a toxic waste dump is to not advertise it and to hide it from people. There should be some sort of euphemism on that sign, like waste disposal facility, exactly. not like dump. <laughs> well, that's uh, like. Like, you know, one of the things I was reminded about watching this episode, you know, because you can even see it right from the jump here is one of the things I love about early Simpsons are all of those uh, sign gags, even in I never noticed it before, but in the intro which is drastically different from, you know, later seasons. There's a sign as they're, they're doing like sort of that push in shot of the school. And there's a sign on the left that just says semi painless dentistry. Yeah. Oh yeah. I forgot yeah. about that joke. And I think I've seen it a thousand and one times. <laughs> and those kinds of things were so funny. And one of the things that really made this show stand out in a great way is like, you know, you're, you're doing stuff with, the art you're, you're having these visual gags and that I feel the show really lost a lot of as it went on. And now, I mean, that's what you do if you have any animated show. I'm thinking of things like uh, Bob's Burgers and BoJack Horseman. It's like, oh, those are the sign gag shows. Yeah. They have oh, the most man. sign gags now. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, BoJack especially, it is so stuffed with visual information that I think it feels to me, some episodes feel like double the amount of sign gags that even a classic Simpsons has by, by comparison. <laughs> yeah. All this nuclear waste stuff. Like, I mean, this was... There was a whole thing, I mean, in many places, but in America, like, 
that I forget the exactly where it was, but it was in New Jersey that like caused the, that inspired the film Toxic Avenger, like mm. the, uh, the schlocky classic. Plus, I mean, there was Chernobyl like a few years before they wrote this episode, like the the joke of it's it feels so left over now. But the joke of the most accident prone idiot in the world, Homer Simpson, works at a nuclear power plant. That's the gag. Like it, it kind of is just accepted as normal. Like, yeah, Homer works at the nuclear power plant. But yeah, that is, that is a joke. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that's, I mean, also that the idea that he'd be any kind of safety guy too, that's the joke, but it also just became a, a normal thing. That's what's so weird too, as I, I didn't remember the fact that this episode, he's not at the start of it before he gets fired. He's not the safety inspector. What's his title? Which is just wild. Some, uh, something technician. <laughs> Technical supervisor, supervisor, but not supervising technician, yes, right? That, yeah. right? Right, 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 right. <laughs> um, uh, so it's a weird thing just seeing like seeds being planted in the Simpsons, whereas like I feel, you know, in my head, I just take that stuff for granted as having always existed. And this, uh, you know, knowing that it's the first produced script, though not the planned pilot, it also does set up a lot of things that a first script would of like, here's where the dad works. Here's the kid's classroom, like all, all yeah. that stuff. Uh, but Otto drives them in a circle. I, I do like Lewis's delivery of like, there's our school again. <laughs> like, Lewis, major character of season oh, I'm a Richard man. <laughs> and then as, uh, as Bart is getting clowned on on the bus, he, he tries to stay silent, uh, but he gets a kiss on both sides of his cheek by Sherry and Terry. A very like, feels like a very 50s schoolyard thing there. Like, yeah. Yuck, a girl, cootie. There's no pigtail pulling retaliation, though, on this bus trip. <laughs> uh, but uh, but Bart is then forced to sing a real non-punishment for a class clown. This is Krabappel. This is Krabappel. Bart, not another word out of you, or I'll subject you to the humiliation of making you sing in front of the class. Can I pick the song? No. The song will be John Henry was a steel driving man. We're going to make you sing, Bart Simpson. Yeah, Bart Simpson, we're going to make you sing. <laughs> That's it, Bart. Oh, why can't you be more like a... a, a Us, Mrs. Krabappel? Yes, Sherry and Terry. They know how to behave. Da 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 da! Well, they took Bart Simpson to the graveyard, and they buried him in the sand. Oh yeah! And every locomotive that comes roaring by said, "There lies a steel man." Lord, Lord, oh, there okay, lies. Okay, Bart, a... enough. <laughs> hey, Wendell, you made it, buddy. Uh, good, fully on the puking. <laughs> oh God! I gotta yeah. say, I noticed in this clip, uh, isolated without the visuals, that uh, so this. This composer is not Alf Clausen. It's Barry Gibbs, right? That's the mm-hmm. guy's name. I don't think Alf. No, Clausen, no, Richard. Gibbs. Richard Gibbs. Sorry, not the not the <laughs> no, BG. Not the BG. Yeah. Not the BG. Uh, boy, what if it was though? Uh, but anyways, uh, Alf Clausen did not score the comedy like this. Like this no. guy is like. It reminds me like the one I know. Thirty Rock is a funny show, but I can't stand watching it because every scene is scored by crazy circus music mm-hmm. to let you know it's funny, and that's what this reminds me of. Uh, and that is that dude's. Uh, I can't recall his name. I believe it's actually Tina Fey's husband. Yeah, now. that's why he's not getting replaced that uh, the guy right <laughs> yeah. the score for 30 that's, rock. that is that dude's calling card though because he also did the music on uh impossible kimmy schmidt or unbreakable kimmy schmidt yeah and it's the same like 
doop that up doop. I mean, it's like yeah, it's circus music more or less. It's very distracting. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I can't stand it. I just it, it just shows a lack of confidence. I think. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's Richard Gibb. Just like he's he's pitching it down the middle. Like he, I mean, he's a professional composer. This wasn't like his first job or anything. He was he was coming off of Ullman, but you know, it, it's uh, at times it really feels to me that he's just like eh, some dumb cartoon show. I'm doing this as a second job. Just here, dun 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 dun. dun, dun. Like, yeah. yeah. That's they they just settle for things. Uh, though I do like Bart. All the posing on Bart's song. I mean, he looks freakish at times from the Bart we know, but I love like his front facing look as he moves his arms up and down and and that da, 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 whoa uh, yeah. uh, that is sampled in uh, Bart's Nightmare the oh, video game, which oh, is wow. why when I hear that I think of that awful game because he just scraped that <laughs> oh. off the episode. When you when you get like a page of homework in that game, he makes a little jingle. Oh, it just sampled right. right from the episode. Wow. Thank wow. You, forgot you just reminded me, Bob, that I really fucking hated that game. Ooh, uh, <laughs> we did an episode of Retronauts about it. It's uh it's rough. It's rough. Real bad. The Simpsons will be right back. We hope you're enjoying this week's podcast, whether you're a technical supervisor or a supervising technician. And a huge thank you to our guest, Andrew Jupin. Follow him at Jupin on Twitter. And his podcast, We Hate Movies. What a fun podcast that is. I think you guys will really enjoy it if you enjoy our shows. And please, if you are a Talking Simpsons listener, you are missing out if you are not a subscriber at patreon.com slash talking simpsons you could be hearing next week's episode right now a week ahead of time and ad free not only that you could hear the same for our sister podcast what a cartoon where me and bob break down a different animated series once a week you'd get both of those a week early and ad free plus access to over a hundred patreon exclusive podcasts interviews with folks like david silverman mike reese josh weinstein bill oakley and so many more plus Plus, our many exclusive podcasts about series like Futurama, King of the Hill, and The Critic, where we go through those in the same Simpsons style, and you can only hear them if you are a $5 and up patron at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. If you're really ready to break open that piggy bank and enjoy something wonderful, then you should sign up at the $10 level at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. Premium subscribers to the Talking Simpsons Network not only get all the stuff in the $5 level, but also our monthly What a Cartoon Movie podcast where we cover a different animated feature film once a month. You could listen to this month's coming very soon about the Animatrix, the anime anthology about the classic cyberpunk film series. And you could also also here last month's the iron giant where me and bob talked for almost four hours about a film that actually had a lot of impact on simpsons production during season nine not to mention the back catalog of all the what a cartoon movies where you can hear podcasts about a goofy movie aladdin akira batman mask of the phantasm Kiki's Delivery Service, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, The Secret of Nim, Tiny Toon Adventures, How I Spent My Vacation, The Nightmare Before Christmas, Toy Story, Cowboy Bebop the Movie, and so many more. There's over 40 hours of podcasts already right there for you to listen to with a new one each month. So please sign up at the $10 level at patreon.com slash talking simpsons.
Also, also on Bart's, oh yeah, that's a twister mouth there. Yeah. Wes got in his twister. That's a Wes Archer staple. Whenever you see the twisty mouths, the, mm-hmm. the heads that twist independently of the jaw, there you go. <laughs> oh, interesting. I, I will say, uh, the fact that he is told to sing John Henry was a steel-driving man and this little fucking 10-year-old kid knows the lyrics to that song is another great example of how this show used to write for its audience a certain way and mm. putting in references like that song, which it's like, what are you talking about? I mean, if you're watching <laughs> like a, a season 30 episode and they're going to do a same joke, like he would be forced to sing like Taylor Swift or some shit. Mm. Yeah, I still um, don't know what the song is, to be honest. Well, they'd also pay for a real uh, pay for a song that has copyright on it as opposed to this old classic. Yeah, right. But it just it was one of those things that I always loved about the show was and I would even know watching it as a kid like they're making jokes that I don't understand but I like that and maybe someday I'll know what fucking political figure they're joking about here some weird late 70s early 80s news event that they're talking about in a joke yeah I mean that stuff just escaped the show eventually but that song reminded me that boy they really used to like kind of have a the writing was a little bit more geared towards playing to the top of your intelligence there are a lot of ask your parents jokes in these uh, yeah. yes yes that's a sure. great way to put it. <laughs> i mean i that's I, it's the song about you know classic american tall tale john henry the uh but i i think i did have to sing it in chorus at some point in my childhood but it mm. definitely feels more like a <laughs> a song boomer children had to sing and they're they're yeah. then putting it upon yeah. bart yeah though bart changes it to be about himself and not john henry right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, also, another like really break the rules gag is Sherry and Terry being drawn with halos over their head. Yeah. Like it, that is so broad that that joke. Then and yes, they couldn't show Wendell puking, but I'm shocked they even got the sound on TV. Like that's a very extreme joke for the genteel spirits of January 1990. I'm writing a letter to Fox right now. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I mean, you know. It, you guys did just mention it, but God bless the Foley work. That's like someone's dropping like a can of soup on the floor. Uh, <laughs> chunky soup. <laughs> oh. uh, then uh, we see that, yeah, the visitors will be shot sign as the kids walk into there. It's another, uh, it's one of those, if you look too closely, it looks really bad. The Sherry and Terry's feet just float as they're walking there's, into the place. Yeah, <laughs> there's some weird, uh, wa- they're figuring out walk cycles too. Just like, yes, let's just drag yeah. the cell across the screen. <laughs> Uh, though the security guard uh, there who doesn't say any lines and will not appear again is the uh, security guard of the plant. He's the same security guard in the shorts who caught Bart stealing candy bars. Oh, okay. That's the, oh, yeah. uh, so that they're just repeating an old security guard from there. And he's watching Krusty on TV. And unlike the previous episode, they draw Krusty wearing his purple shirt, not the shorts green shirt that he was wearing. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we're episode three in production. I think they're still developing all of their characters and mm. background characters, which is why later in act three, we'll see the gallery of mutants. But <laughs> when we meet Homer's coworkers, they're all like wearing radiation suits, no faces yeah, at all, yeah. except for the one guy played by Sam McMurray. <laughs> I think too, you look at Krusty, the way he's expressed throughout this whole season, I don't think it was intentional, but the final produced episode of the season is Krusty gets busted. Ah. And so I was like, is this a season long arc of building <laughs> up Krusty till we finally meet him in person? I think there are just one of two things you could watch on TV in this universe. Mm, well, yeah, happy little true. elves or Krusty. <laughs> 
Uh, so yes, the kids are all walking around the, the power plant loosely, but then they, they get into the, uh, the auditorium and we meet a very important character who looks very <laughs> different. Uh, let me just play his first line before we, uh, it's a brief clip. Then let's talk about Waylon Smithers. And so this plant harnesses the power of the atom so that we have the energy to run everything from your favorite video game to yummy cotton candy machines. <laughs> Let's learn more about nuclear energy, shall we? Lights. So yes, uh, blacksmithers. Let's talk mm-hmm. about it. So for a long time, this was cited as a coloring mistake. Uh, but in a recent interview, the writer or co-writer of this episode, Jay Kogan, said, no, from the very beginning, we said Smithers was a black character and Sam Simon also wanted to make him gay secretly. That's like, let's just have a gay character on the show and not to really talk about it that much. Mm. So from the beginning, Smithers was a black character. Um, then they realized, hey, wait a minute, maybe having this servile black man, you know, lick the feet of Mr. Burns, not a good look for our TV show. <laughs> so when he appears again in No Disgrace Like Home, he is a yellow or white character. And uh, so that just recently came out as of a few years ago, like Jay Kogan on the record was like, no, no, he was supposed to be black. Like they wanted to make it a multicultural show, especially the colorist, the woman who made everyone yellow was like, let's just make a bunch of races on this show. Like yeah. sort of like a Doug Funny universe. Almost. <laughs> but yeah, Smithers in this episode was written as a black man and someone on twitter was like oh yeah he's got a fade like a high top fade almost haircut oh, so that's what his hair oh. yeah i'd never read that is that yeah yeah i'd yeah the quote i had found from kogan on twitter about it was like in like smithers was african-american when he was first created but as we decided to make him more obsequious and possibly gay we thought adding african-american might have been a tad too much baggage yeah, yeah. yep so, yes, yeah, so the next time you see him, he will be uh, Caucasian male. Yeah, yeah. The, and still gay. <laughs> well, it's an interesting thing in his uh, in his next appearance in No Disgrace Like Home. I got to think it was a retake or something because, like, the decision to make him yellow, like, at what point could it have come down the pipeline if they're producing No Disgrace Like Home almost concurrently mm. animation production wise with it. Like, and also though the, the Smithers that appears in notice Grace like home, which I guess we'll talk more about that when we do that episode, but his skin color, it's just a wonder one replacement of the black skin color for yellow, but all the rest of him is the season one coloring. When he will appear again in season two, he actually has the full Smithers coloring. No more white outfit, mm. but a black shirt, all that stuff. I can't speak to like the schedule of what they were getting and when, but I have to guess like color animation for this came back when they could still make that change mm. for No Disgrace. I'm just guessing. Or it was a retake. <laughs> I did forget that he is wearing like a lab coat around the plant, giving this little tour to the kids. I think that's what he looks like when you fight him in the Simpsons arcade game. Oh my God. I yep, think you're yep. totally yes, right. Yeah. Henry's actually wearing the t-shirt with that design on I it. I am right now. How did yeah. I miss that? <laughs> he's, yes. He's wearing, he, it fits with him more. It's like, he's not, I mean, he, it does answer to Mr. Burns in this too. And he's very obsequious to Burns. And then it is next appearance. But this almost makes him read less like an assistant and more like he's the chief scientist there. Or just like one of many people Burns yells at. He just happened to be in the room at the end of the episode. But yes, he'd normally be like joined at the hip with Mr. Burns Mm -hmm. or like right outside of his office. But yeah, now we get the first set piece that would remain in the show for life. But no Troy McClure. It's the uh, educational film parody, which all the boomers grew up with. And we (laughs) saw so many parodies of these throughout uh, the 90s. Yeah, it's uh, I think in particular, this reminds me of they all remind me of Spring Fever, but they're they're stolen from the same thing. Or is that the name of the no 
spring. That's uh, a case of spring oh, fever. Oh, a case yes. of spring fever. But I mean, Sorry. Mystery Science Theater at the same time, all the boomers who grew up with this too were like, let's make fun of these mm-hmm. cynical old, you know, uh, post-war shorts. Yeah. Teaching us all the wrong things. That were also all paid for by some company. Yeah. Like, they weren't just yeah. made for public uh, good. Yeah. Oh, my favorite ones for Mystery Science Theater are the ones that were made by a train company that basically, the point of the entire short was, if you get hit by a train, it's your own goddamn fault. (laughs) We are not to blame. I believe one of the riffs is, trains are wholly blameless creatures. (laughs) So, yeah, um... They were I mean, very much to be, yeah. to be fair to that train sponsored production, you know, unless your car breaks down on the tracks, it's kind of your fault. if you get. <laughs> I mean, I'm with you there. I don't know yeah. how people get killed by trains. Uh, well, maybe a lot more of the train safety wasn't as good back then. I don't know. The uh, Another of my favorites from uh, not mystery science theater, but Rift tracks did it. The, um, the gasoline washing clothes with gasoline oh, uh, more one. dangerous than dynamite yeah that, don't wash clothes with gasoline it's insane that one and of course the uh the paper bag one that's all about just like the mill oh. the paper mills of the how South. do i know the names of all these paper and i let's <laughs> oh, see this is impressive bob i know <laughs> yeah. keep them coming uh but yeah smile and joe fishing especially looks like uh he reminds me of springy the elf yeah it's like yeah. a demonic sprite meant to represent like the thing you're the topic of the uh, short mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which he's he was like the mascot of the plant for season one and two and they just kind of dropped him i miss smiling joe he was fun also makes an appearance in bart's nightmare oh, he's yes, got his own yeah. level well, like they only have so many characters to draw from <laughs> and they also uh, yeah i recall having a smiling joe fission pog oh yeah actually uh, i think i got it, one on the wall right there too in my quest to collect like all of the simpsons pogs which i believe i came fairly close to doing Mm -hmm. uh and i remember when i got that one i didn't remember what the hell it was and i was like all right well it says it's a simpsons pog so i'll take it i had no recollection of this uh i see him in this room little (laughs) mascot that Uh, pog is in this room yeah henry's correct (laughs) my my husband just bought instead of collecting them my husband just bought them on ebay for me as a christmas gift last year so that's awesome wait so the full set uh of the first run i think it is yeah 90 i mean there's no if there's some like fancy chase card in there chase pog like super rare one that's not among them but it's (laughs) it's all the og pogs which are just it's just the art taken from the 1993 skybox card set but put in pog form as uh reborn in pog form as as we as we love to say on the (laughs) simpsons (laughs) that's so awesome though man how many are there do you know Mm, let's see four by four time four by four that's 16 times three that would be 30 the 48 48 of them that's pretty great um and i'm envious of your husband's christmas gift to you that was the live yeah. math portion of our show <laughs> i was trying to help out with that and i was like no you're just gonna say a wrong number i bet people are playing along at home 48 48 <laughs> uh but yeah you're right there's troy mcclure is missing from this and when they will basically do this exact same thing with the ch- the chocolate factory oh yeah uh, it's it it is hosted by troy and it makes a lot more sense like it's it's actually very strange to hear nancy cartwright doing the voiceover here Uh, i also love the joke about this film strip that it is made so poorly as a promotional tool for the nuclear power plant because it's like when you think of nuclear power you think of this boom like the your biggest worry of nuclear power we're going to show it to you right now well they also show him sweeping waste under the rug yes yeah i love and like one little blob slips out and he kicks it away yeah there is a stupendous joke when 
they do the when you think of nuclear power you think of this it's the mushroom cloud all the kids in the auditorium are cheering yeah fucking great (laughs) uh i also love the line like what is nuclear power i don't know but let's have like that's a good line too uh but yes let's hear from smiling joe fishing but what exactly is nuclear energy i don't know but i know someone who does smiling joe fission hi there energy eaters I'm Smiling Joe Fishing, your atomic tour guide to the strange and exciting world of nuclear power. And these are rods of uranium-235. Hi, Rod. Hey, Rod. Hey. How you doing, hey, Rod? Hey, good to see you. Hey, you guys look hot. Of course we're hot. We're radioactive. Whoa. Well, how about a dip in the pool? Yeah. to make the water so hot, it boils. <laughs> and the steam spins turbines that generate energy. Sit down. <laughs> Whoa, whoops. Looks like there's a little leftover nuclear waste. No problem. I'll just put it where nobody'll find it. Hey, here. Well, so now you know the whole true story of nuclear energy. Our no longer misunderstood friend. <laughs> so keep on smiling. Now, let's have even more fun. yeah that was a great fakery of bad 60s animation you could tell Mm. when uh this was made yeah based on like how worn down the film is too i also yeah it's uh for all the knocks you can make on the animation and in this episode in particular they really captured very limited animation well like they they uh especially my favorite of the bad animation intentionally in it is the um the shot of everybody doing things with power and it's just like a three <laughs> frame cycle just over and over again. Very freakish looking characters too. Mm-hmm. On purpose. I do also appreciate the uh noticeable like animated dirt and scratches on this little, you know, eight millimeter print that they're watching. <laughs> um, That's a nice touch. And I like how entertaining the kid when the when the strips over and the kids just all applaud. It's like they've been fully indoctrinated. They believe it all. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And then we get kind of a real get smart gag. They point out a commentary like, yeah, it's just from get smart. Yeah. yeah the <laughs> the door is opening, but it's funny. And uh, then as uh, they're being shown around the place, we get the first appearance of Blinky. Blinky the fish right there. It had mutated already in season one. Uh, then we Get the setup that Bart is going. We you don't know as a viewer until this very moment, uh, unless you saw the Christmas special. But if this is your first Simpsons, you don't know until this very moment that this is where Homer works and that Bart is, is visiting his dad. Yeah, yeah, we talk about it often and too often. But the, uh, the Christmas special is number eight. Yes, and yeah. this would have been new information for you. Like, oh my God, Homer Simpson works here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, also in this sequence, Sherry's body just disappears as she tells yeah, just Bart stuff. A floating head. Yeah. Yes. Homer finally enters uh, in this next clip here. And uh, over here is our thermal regulator. Uh, to your right, if you look through this window, you'll see where our water rejoins the rest of nature's biosphere. Hey, Bart. Our dad says your dad is incompetent. What does incompetent mean? It means he's time yakking and scarfing down donuts and doing his job. Oh, okay. I thought you were putting him down. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I defy anyone to tell the difference between these donuts and one baked today. Hey, my boy's supposed to be here any second on a field trip. They been through here yet? Come on, Simpson. 
They wanted the kids to see you sitting around on your butt and stuff in your face. They take them on a tour of your house. You're right. I gotta get where the action is. Coming through. Hey, there's my dad. Hey, dad. Yo, Homer. Lulu, I'm up here. Oh, hi, boy. It's so weird to hear a non-regular doing yeah. like a character voice. It sounds like he's doing an imitation of Homer almost. Mm. Hey, I'm Homer too. But <laughs> hey, Simpson. Yeah, that's uh, Sam McMurray, right? Like mm-hmm. another Tracy Ullman regular who would appear a few times in season one, and that's yeah. basically it. And they stopped using him. It's it's it was not choice, but I think maybe it was from the chilling friend, the ch- the chilled friendship between Ullman and the Simpsons. No, he picks sides. Yeah, Sam McMurray, <laughs> uh, which is too bad because he is fucking hysterical. He was the one of the dads on Freaks and Geeks. Oh, he's so great as as um, as the Jewish kid's dad on that. Yeah, as who who gets caught cheating. Like I, I yeah. love that. Yeah, he's <laughs> great. He was he was great. And he's a uh, Chevy Chase's like coworker in Christmas Vacation. Mm. Oh, and also in Raising Arizona, he fucking rules in that. I too. forgot yeah. he was in that. Oh, yeah, Glenn. Yeah. yeah. Uh, But yeah, Homer, this is where Homer enters. I like that he is like apologizing for the existence or he's like, Dale Donuts are just as good. Come on. (laughs) I wish that was Lenny saying that to him, though. You know, I. Yeah. Again, all these people have just uh, their faces are shrouded. We don't know who they are. (laughs) They're still making characters for the show. In the first four episodes, too, they Homer's character design is much more bloated, like especially. Oh, yeah. His, he has neck fat. He has rolled neck fat on the back of his neck on in most shots. Like, but they like shave down his mouth to have like no chin. And he has like, oh, yeah, things. you're it's, right. It's really weird. He get a lot more round and streamlined uh, later. Yeah. Yeah. I. Uh, but yes, Homer then gets fired in front of his son by the never seen again father of Sherry and Terry, who's also also a uh, an African American man. It looks he, like he's a very tanned man. I was like, are they adopted? Perhaps. What's happening I, here? They're yeah. albino, maybe. <laughs> well, Wendell is also albino, though. Too. Yeah. Like, uh, look, anything can be a family, Bob. Don't, don't <laughs> it's judge. It's true. Him. All right, who's responsible for this? Oh. I might have known it was you, Simpson. But sir, I, I don't want to hear about it, Simpson. You're fired. Oh, hi, girl. Hi, Daddy. Sad music. I kept that in because it's really distracting, weird, sad music. I mean, that's also like... It's a weird. This moment is like the trade-off of protagonist position because it it should just end with the joke of like Bart going, "Oh no," and it would continue to be a Bart's episode. But instead, Bart goes, "Oh no," because he's embarrassed. And then he looks to Homer, and Homer's like, "They look, I, I have been shamed." Yeah, <laughs> they they share a, they share a, like an exchange or something like a wordless exchange. Yeah, I think that I think Cherry and Terry's dad is. I think that's a Christopher Collins. There's one one definite Christopher Collins in this episode, hmm. but uh, the recast voice that did not work well with oh, Sam Simon. I thought it was Sam McMurray, but you could be right. Yeah. Uh, it could. I also smile at Joe Fishin, I think is, is Harry Shearer. That's Harry though, Shearer. Yeah. Yeah. But there's, there's one Christopher Collins. I will point out that is definitely him later in this. Oh, what I remember, I was shocked to, to learn that by the way, I won't spoil anything, but I was looking <laughs> at IMDb while watching it. And I was like, what the fuck? I literally yes, never yeah. heard of this. <laughs> this is also the second episode in a row with a cartoony gulp when yeah. someone is worried. <laughs> 
don't think true. they would do that for much longer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so they come back from break. Homer is uh, searching the classified. Well, actually, Lisa's doing it for him while he is starting to show the signs of his like horrible depression that will lead him to a dark place at the end of this act. I love like we hear about the fireworks factory. Yeah, I think that was just an idea <laughs> that was just floating around the writer's room forever. This is the first mention of a fireworks factory and they're still not there. <laughs> still haven't made it there. I, I like that Homer defines them as perfectionists who work there too. That I want to say, I think is, I don't know if it's my favorite, but boy, favorite ish joke in this whole episode. Those perfectionists like, like, Oh my God. Uh, And then, and then yeah, Homer says he can't be a supervising technician. He's a technical supervisor, uh, which that feels like a joke from a different time where long-term employment meant that you'd have to be given meaningless titles Mm. to pretend to be promotions. When now it's like, nobody employs you that long anymore. So no one gets promoted (laughs) a promotion. It's funny too. Homer wants to apply the toxic waste dump, but I would assume that Burns owns that too. You know, uh, also the kitchen looks crazy. It looks just like how the kitchen looked in the rejected pilot footage, like just gradients and just light lines. It's all, it's like almost uncolored. There's a lot of pink in there too. Yeah. What I remember. Yeah. The cornless uh, kitchen curtains mm. was very distracting. That haunted me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> though uh, th- these are things that feel uncharacteristic, but Marge actually says a very like early season characteristic lines for her of like, oh, you've, done her. A- you've done X before and we've always bounced back. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's they also they uh, it's a it's a subtle ish joke in this, but how they constantly say like, Oh, you've definitely caused worse things than Chernobyl, but nobody knew it was you. Or you've done your own Three Mile Island. A, f- a few doozies. A few doozies. Nobody heard about <laughs> <laughs> Also, Bart calls Homer dad way too much in yeah. this episode. I don't like it. Was it was unsettling. It's got to be homeboy or home home, home daddy, home slice, whatever. <laughs> what does Bart call Homer? Yeah. Uh, usually just Homer. Homer, like, yeah. yeah. But uh, do you want to go to Moe's now? Because I have one thing to drop in well, here. Well, there's, uh, there's a fun sequence of doors slamming in Homer's face. He can't even get hired at like a, uh, a drive through even. And apparently uh, Bart slams a door in his face too. Yeah. Which that door knocker, so the door knocker is drawn wrong with big bul- bulging eyes instead of dot eyes, but like at least into season 10 when we uh, just finished off, he, they still have that vulture door knocker. They did That's not so get weird. rid of it. It's, it's very distracting. It's just always there. Yeah. Yeah. But okay, it's time for the major for, I'd say, no, it's still second to Burns in this episode, but the second biggest first appearance yeah. of this with Mo, the true first appearance of Mo, and uh, watching this again, I think I realized one of the jokes that they wanted that they dropped was they would have a new depressing song playing in Mo's, and every time you oh. visit it, so this time it's Patsy Cline's "I Fall to Pieces" in the background, obviously a cover. Yeah. So when you see it much later, there are happy Christmas carols playing in Mo's. I think that was going to be the joke. Like normally the music is depressing at a bar, but now it's Christmas, and that so there's Christmas sense. songs. So they dropped that because it's very distracting to have these licensed <laughs> songs playing behind dialogue. And uh, yeah, it's Mo later to be named Mo Sizlak, but he's just Mo the bartender designed by Dan Haskett, the uh, the Disney animator who worked on the first season that we talked about before. 
Thanks to Thad Komarowski for reminding us of that on Twitter. <laughs> and very important that uh, Mo has his missing tooth here, and the mm-hmm. director of this episode, Wes Archer, is a big fan of Mo's missing tooth to the point where he fought to keep it in the uh, the family feedback episode, which yeah. is why Mo is missing that tooth very distractingly in that episode. He's like, that is what is on the model sheet, and that is what I follow. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that's the last time that tooth would be missing. <laughs> but it, it is so not there in that episode, and they, mm. they, put, they popped it back in for so long. Uh, but yeah, Mo uh, also originally voiced by Chris Collins in the production version of this for the longest time. It was Chris Collins in there and he got replaced by like struggling Los Angeles actor. Well, I wouldn't even say struggling because he was still getting cast a lot and stuff. He was Hollywood dog. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Did you know that Hollywood dog was so key to him getting cast? In oh, this no, Hank Azaria? no, yeah. no. Credit to the AV club's random roles interview with Hank Azaria. They ask him about Hollywood dog before they get to Simpsons because they're going in order. Hollywood Dog is a one-off pilot. You can watch it on YouTube. An attempt at doing a Roger Rabbit for TV that can't possibly work because it's way too expensive to draw animation in there. But he was the titular Hollywood Dog, the animated character hanging around in Hollywood. Uh, But the casting agent on that was Bonnie Patilla, Mm. the cast, uh, the person who casted on Tracy Ullman into the Simpsons. When Sam Simon was having problems with Christopher Collins, uh, voice acting as Mo among other voices, they were looking to just redub over those lines with some actor. Bonnie suggested Hank Azaria because she really liked his work on uh, Hollywood Dog. So he came in, did it. He did a version of Al Pacino and Dog Day Afternoon, which they really responded to. And they're like, okay, yeah, you can replace that one voice for this episode and also do Wiggum. He does Wiggum too in this episode, re-recorded. He wouldn't become a contracted full-time actor on the show until season two. He, okay. he was just subbing in uh, as a and the rest credit in season one, Hank Azaria was. But uh, yeah, so that's that is how Family Dog led him to be Mo. And Mo was the first Hollywood voice dog. he replaced. Hollywood Dog. Family Dog. I didn't want, talk. I want to replace it with the Better Dog Show, but. Uh, <laughs> But that's how Hank Azaria became Mo the Bartender, and that was his entree into the world of The Simpsons. Why don't we hear the first appearance of Mo, and uh, then we can also talk about the other inspiration for Mo. I'm just a technical supervisor who cared too much. Mo's Tavern. Is Mr. Freely there? Oh. Really? First initial is IP. Hold on, I'll check. Uh, is IP Freely here? Hey, everybody, IP freely. <laughs> Wait a minute. Listen to me, you lousy bum. When I get a home to you, you're dead. I swear I'm going to slice your heart in half. <laughs> You'll get that punk someday, Mo. Oh, I don't know. It's tough to catch. He keeps changing his name. Oh, I think I'll have another. Whoops. Oh, I'm a little low on funds. You think you could cover me just this once? No, sorry. Why not? I think after all these years, I deserve an explanation. I don't think you're ever going to get another job and be able to pay me back. Oh. Don't worry, we're still friends. I love the gag that Moe says that he just doesn't think Homer will ever get a job again and won't be able to pay him like that. That is so the opposite of the understanding local barkeep too. very blunt. 
but yeah. correct. I, he does end it. What does he say? It's something like, uh, don't worry, we're still friends or something. Yeah. I'm still oh, we're still friend. friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But also he gets his first prank call. Yes. And uh, before the Jerky Boys, there was mm-hmm. a little thing called the Tube Bar Tapes. And what the Tube Bar Tapes were, there was this place called the Tube Bar, a, uh, a bar somewhere. I forget where it was, but there was a cantankerous old bartender named Red who probably died like 30 seconds after these recordings were made. You have never heard a more grizzled voice. He's the original George Licker, I think. So these tapes were very popular in the uh, 70s. They were circulated, not officially published or anything. They were just like mm-hmm. underground tapes. And this is where the Mo the Bartender prank calls come from. So we'll play a few of these. And a few of them, Red doesn't get it. But then later he gets it and then he starts making <laughs> threats. So I don't know if we have the threats up front, but here are a few of the uh, the calls. And his voice is amazing. Some of which they just had Bart say on the show. Yeah, some like, of them are just yeah. stolen from these tapes. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Is uh, Al there? Al, uh, am I here? No. Koholik. Al who? Koholik. Al Koholik. <laughs> <laughs> Sure, one more. Hello. Hello. Yes. Uh, this is Tuba. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if you could help me. Uh, uh, I'm wondering if Phil Myers, M I Z A, Myers. <laughs> Phil Myers. Myers, yeah. <laughs> Phil Myers. Phil Myers. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Nobody but that name. You're not there. No. Okay, thank you. Well, yes, I'm Phil Myers. <laughs> Eventually, Hello. he does explode in anger. You motherfucker, yeah. I'll kill you. I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> he sounds more grizzled than Popeye. Like, yeah. this guy, I want to see just how, just he's just a husk of charred flesh, this red. <laughs> he sounds like uh, Lawrence Tierney. Yeah. He does. I just love hearing, alcoholic, <laughs> alcoholic. <laughs> oh, God, he's like, you can't live. What life this man must have lived to be well, like. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I looked it up. I was very curious. So I did a quick Wikipedia for the tube bar prank calls. The tube bar was located uh, very much near me in oh. Jersey City, right across the river. Is it wow. still open? Uh, I seriously doubt it. You should visit and see. Uh, you can <laughs> snort the ashes of red. <laughs> oh, but it sounds yeah. like he, he fought World War One and Two with his throat. <laughs> <laughs> I oh, mean, actually, here we go. Uh, two bar was demolished in early 2009. Oh, oh. no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sad. Uh, that should be a historical <laughs> monument. That- my Also, my throat hurts from doing Red's voice for about 10 seconds. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's, Fail my ass. Uh, that's like early viral content, the way that spread yeah. around. Totally. Keep circulating yeah. the tapes. Uh, and yeah, the, I also love that Mo's reaction to getting that call. He's like, he's too clever. He keeps changing his name. Like, I love <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't even get what that person is doing to him. They, they, and they kept that as a runner until season four. I know Mike Reese dumped on it as showrunner. He's just like, they're, they're a ton of work and they're not funny. was how he felt about them. <laughs> uh, but Mo, I mean, Mo's reaction is funny. It's uh, I, I like them. I don't love them, but I like I like when they would get more creative, like I'm going to rip out your tongue and use it to paint my boat. Oh, Those yes. are good ones. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I mean, also, the my some of my favorite bits of it were just Bart's reaction animation 
just rolling on the floor yeah. laughing like he does in this And Lisa's one. in on it too, so Lisa's having fun. <laughs> uh, and you also said like just looking at Moe's design, like just his flat expression is just so hilarious. Based on comedian Rich Hall, which is a very unflattering portrayal. Yeah. I mean, it's like, uh, who's the ugliest guy ever? Rich Hall. Let's draw him into our show. Uh, and uh, we also get the first appearances of the Barflies as well as Homer walks by them when he when he leaves Penniless. What are their names uh, like? The according guy, to Wikipedia, Sam and Larry. The guy who calls him Bill. Yeah, the guy who calls me Bill. That's how <laughs> Homer remembers that. But yeah, and then there's I Fall to Pieces playing. Yeah, just distracting. Distracting. And the scene ends kind of late so you can hear it. Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, as the scene ends, it's silent. They fall to pieces and then it fades. I think it's just that so many scenes just end with a sigh in these early episodes. Like they not very tight editing, I think. Uh, then there's a scene in bed where Homer and Marge are talking about, you know, her going back to his old job, which I feel like in construction, you're supposed to assume her old job was seedier. Perhaps. I, I don't know. It was like, can you still do things like that? And she's like, that it's kind like, of right. work or whatever. Yeah. That kind of work. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. I wonder if they I wanted was, you to make some assumptions before that. I, I was feeling around for what kind of joke this was. And it was like, she mentions her boss, Mr. Burger. And then the joke is like, no, she literally worked for a chain called Mr. Burger or something like that. That could be the joke, but it could also be like the Simpsons season one naming convention where people were named very uh, literally. Yeah, so yeah. Mr. Burger could run a burger shop, <laughs> but it's a very family guy style cutaway of Marge in her roller It's a really gear. long time for her to roll yeah, on and up a, there, Just too. a not great drawing of her rolling yeah. up. I love how bad it is. Yeah. I love how, like, wavy her mouth gets when she grows. Like, it looks like a first-year shorts drawing of Marge, really. Like, it's wild, yeah. I also love that you get... It's the customer she's waiting on is Otto in his van with who knows it could be there's a woman there it could be crystal well, could my be favorite crystal. auto line ever <laughs> hey crystal wake up <laughs> <laughs> i had mustard yeah I, hey mama i love that he's calling marge mama, mama yeah uh and this background of her working there will be uh, brought back up in the season three i married marge you are correct yeah that's the job she'll be calling homer from when she uh tells him she uh joined the cl- castle club with him or reminds him castle of that. club yes yeah uh, but yes, the Marge goes back to work, which uh, I feel even worse for her now because it's like Homer is despondently depressed. So while Marge is working a full time job to pay their mortgage, Homer isn't helping at all at home. He's just laying on the couch and staring at the TV. And this is a very like I can appreciate this now. Uh, it's a very realistic portrayal of depression where it's not funny or interesting. It's just like no depression isn't crying or weeping or moping. It's just like catatonic laying on the floor. <laughs> I guess more realistically, Homer will be laying on the carpet. Yeah. Just yeah. like dead to the world. But uh, I have suffered unemployment depression and it, it's like it's this rough. You're just like, my life is just a gray corridor. What do I do now? <laughs> mm. You do lay around like an unemployed whale, as Bart puts it. <laughs> that is a great description, too. And I also like the uh, the drawing of Maggie poking his eye. And he even that he doesn't react to. Like he doesn't close his eyes or shake his head. He's just like, eh, fucking poke my eye, baby. I don't care. <laughs> do it. <laughs> but a uh, loaf time, a cute mag- mad magazine style joke on Lifetime, which was a fairly new network. Yeah. Yeah. I think that. That might be one of the earliest examples of the show doing an ADR joke because I think it was just silence. Like I, I think that probably wasn't there in the script originally. Like we need something else here. Let's, 
wait, what if we were to write a joke that's only audio that can be played over this scene? But it, uh, I, it's, it is a funny little joke. And then we get uh, the first Duff commercial with the, the classic Duff jingle, I believe, written by Sam Simon. Uh, and this is, I think, the only surviving Chris Lotta line. Uh, Christopher oh, Collins okay. slash Chris Lotta. He, go, he goes by two names. His only surviving voice in the episode. Loaf time. The cable network for the unemployed. We'll be back with more tips on how to win the lottery right after this. <laughs> unemployed, out of work, That's, yeah. sober. You sat around the house all day, but now it's Duff time. Duff, the beer that makes the days fly by. Beer. Well, there's a temporary solution. <laughs> <laughs> there must be some beer here somewhere. Ah. Maybe in here. It's funny that like Duff is marketed to the unemployed where mm. you sat around the house all day. Now it's Duff time. And also one of those jokes we take for granted, Duff means your ass. You're sitting yes, around on your Duff. Yeah. So it's ass right. beer. You're sitting around on your fat ass drinking beer. But we don't think of that anymore. Also, yeah. no one says Duff for ass. It's just the beer. Yeah. yeah. I mean, who even uses that term now in the nineties? I never, I, if it was a regional thing, I never heard it. Yeah. Get off your duff. I guess was, was thrown around a lot. Yeah. I don't know. I never used it personally, but yes, the famous ass beer, Yeah, but that duff commercial, <laughs> that's Christopher Collins, the original voice of Mo and yeah. Burns in this episode. No, you're right. Uh, Sherry and Terry's dad. It's definitely him. And uh, that voice for, I, I said it before, but in case you didn't know that voice is the voice of star scream and Cobra commander from your toy. <laughs> commercials of the <laughs> 80s that's oh yeah yeah which that's crazy that like i mean obviously that's why you do this right like it's <laughs> oh man what if burn sounded like cobra commander <laughs> i said do it do it do it do it <laughs> that's pretty good <laughs> i'm trying i how did he do that without die? i mean he, he did die. he did pass away actually, so. did you know he died the same night as nicole simpson and oh he, no like, he, he, of of net well not natural causes but he wasn't murdered I'm saying. Wow. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. June 12th, 1994. Wow. It's crazy. Yeah. But uh, I like to, when Homer is searching for that beer, his temporary solution, he finds a cake and you would think normally Homer or the food monster would eat that cake, <laughs> but he's just like, fuck this. Just chucks it over his shoulder. I mentioned this before the recording, but I love the blunt line. I need money. <laughs> Uh, and yes, he smashes Bart's piggy bank. They smash piggy banks at least twice this season. They were really into that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, he steals his piggy bank and that leads Homer to his darkest time. Oh no. What have I done? I smashed open my little boy's piggy bank and for what? A few measly cents. Not even enough to buy one beer. <laughs> Wait a minute. Let me help make sure. <laughs> Not even close. Dear family, I am an utter failure, and you'll be better off without me. By the time you read this, I will be in my watery grave. I can only leave you with the words my father gave me. Stand tall, have courage, and never give up. I only hope I can provide a better model in death than I did in life. <laughs> Warmest regard. Love. <laughs> Homer J. Simpson.
Yes. So uh, Homer does not even like a life insurance thing here. It's mm. just like I'm going to abandon my family by killing myself. Yeah, I'm just done. Also, like, I'm just done with it. It bothers me. There's like an animation error where the pen is being held by the pinky finger and not the index yes, finger. Yes. And yeah. it's just like you can't oh, even yeah. write like I'm that. Spelling. It is very distracting. Yeah. Uh, but if you go back to Bart the Genius, he's holding the pen the right way. Yeah. But I think uh, it's one of those things they realize it too late. This is like a new production. Like fine, fine. Who cares? Yeah. I that suicide note is so funny. Like yeah, it's, never it's, give up. <laughs> he's, you would think as he's writing down the words his father gave him, it would talk him out of suicide. But he's like, no, I, I need to die. And then he says, I hope I can be a better example in death than in life of, yeah. of never giving up. God. Uh, and I do want to talk about this. So thanks to one of our friends on Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, I realized for the first time this whole thing about Homer killing himself by tying a boulder to a rope and tying the rope around his waist is a reference to a Flintstones episode where Barney Rubble tries to kill himself. It's, oh, it's true. Wow. Yeah. So, so Bob's suggestion led me to to look it up. I, I watched the episode, and it's actually one of the most important episodes in Flintstones history, too. It is the first episode with Bam Bam. It is season four, episode three, Little Bam Bam. And it is a crazy... It actually reminded me a bit of this episode because it is all over the place emotionally. It's uh, so short version of it is Barney and Betty are jealous of the Flintstones daughter Pebbles. They're playing with her too much like in and Fred is jealous because Pebbles seems to like Barney more than him. So he kicks him out and then they're like I wish we could have a child. Oh, no. And then they, they wish upon a star, and the next morning, a baby is left at their doorstep. Bam, bam. They want to adopt him, but then the adoption agency tells them they, that they can't. And <laughs> so, yes, there's multiple seats because there's somebody else in line ahead of them, uh, like J.D. Rockefeller. Get it? Uh, well, it's a parody <laughs> of that. Anyway, uh, and so there's multiple scenes of like Betty just sobbing, of like, but I want. To- I'm so connected to him. I want this child. And uh, then there's another joke that they're taking it to court that they want to adopt the child, not the Rockefellers. And the court case they're going against Perry Masonry. Oh, boy. (laughs) And they lose the case. They're not getting Bam Bam. Bam Bam (laughs) is adopted. Barney says goodbye to Bam Bam and walks away. I'm going to do it. And so as he walks away, then Rockefeller gets a call at the last second of like, actually, I've been told my wife is expecting a baby. So let the rubble set Bam Bam goodbye. And he runs away. And Perry Masonry is like, okay, you guys get to have Bam Bam. And they're like, wait, Barney doesn't know. And they then cut to Barney with the exact rock design that Homer has standing on a bridge saying, goodbye, cruel world. God, that is crazy. So yeah, now it makes a lot of sense to me because it is very odd to me uh, until now that in episode three, the father of this family in this new show tries to kill himself. Mm. But I think what cut some of the uh, darkness was people thinking of that Flintstones episode, which would be, (laughs) you know, fresh in the minds of people who are watching the reruns and maybe the episode was like 20 years old at this point. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's, that's, uh, it, you watch little Bam Bam. If you want to see the first appearance of Bam Bam. 
Uh, also, another lost season one runner was the name of stationary. Like, oh uh, yeah, <laughs> dumb things I got to do today. Yeah, yeah. And first time of Homer J. Simpson named after Bullwinkle, mm-hmm. which uh, in season ten we found out that that J stands for J. It does. Uh, I also like that Homer rethinks warmest regards into love. He's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, no, I love that that is the the first one he goes to is warmest regards, <laughs> love. Uh, and as Homer's walking, I I also like it's so subtle. I didn't get it until they point out it's a joke in the commentary. But I do like it in retrospect that Homer walks with that boulder all the way there when there's a boulder waiting for him at the bridge. That's right. <laughs> he has a line right there, though. He looks at it when he recognizes the boulder and he goes, oh, live and learn. That's uh, great. Yeah. That's <laughs> and I realized this is the second episode in a row where the writers look, like, okay, animators, this character's going to write something for 30 seconds and make it work. Yeah. Yeah. So the character just like writes something very slowly while you hear their thoughts. Uh, also, the old people yeah. heckling him from their porch is great because one, it's funny that he's just being heckled while, you know, oh, it looks like young Simpson's finally going to kill himself or whatever the joke is. But also then you realize like these two old people are just sitting on their porch in the middle of the night. It's one in the morning. They're just <laughs> watching him. Yeah. I looks like he's going to kill himself. He's taking his boner for a walk. Uh, those, those are the Winfields, the lost neighbors of the Simpsons. They, they lived on the other side. Flanders lives on the left. The Winfields live on the right. Uh, they actually made more appearances or mentions than I thought when doing a Frankie X search for the name Winfield. Oh, it's really funny, though, because the prank calls in the Winfields died in the same episode. New Kid yeah, on the Block. New Kid on the Block in season four. They well, they didn't die. They I moved know. away. Though. They're dead to me. <laughs> uh, they leave. That town. is the same woman who am I thinking of the right episode then uh, where. She goes over and she's like, I'm trying to sell my house. Will you please get rid of your Halloween pumpkins? Yes. yes. Yep, that's the same. And they're all rotting. He just says uh, no. He's like, no. And Homer <laughs> was stealing her estrogen. That's right. Yes. Yeah. And also that, yeah, in, in previous appearances too, she's the one who calls Homer to say, your dog is in my backyard destroying it. And they mentioned that in War of the Simpsons that Homer uh, like threw up at their party at the Winfields party. <laughs> And also in Simpson and Delilah, they're the ones who tell him, like, get a haircut, hippie, when Homer's running down the street with long hair. So that's that's the history of the Winfields. Their first appearance here, not used for too many jokes afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we get the very dark idea of uh, an eight-year-old girl discovering her father's suicide notes. <laughs> yeah. like, pretty horrifying, really. <laughs> And yes, Homer uh, is confronted with death and uh, the family. It's right when he learns a lesson, though, too. Boy, this intersection is dangerous. Someone ought to put a stop sign here. (gasps) Oh, Homer, how could you think of killing yourself? We love you. Yeah, Dad, we love you. Kill myself? Killing myself is the last thing I'd ever do. Now I have a purpose. A reason to live. I don't care who I have to face. I don't care who I have to fight. I will not rest until this street gets a stop sign. 
You know, 30 years later, I just got the joke, killing myself is the last thing I'd ever do. <laughs> that, that's a joke. That's right. That, that is, is a joke. joke. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I yeah. never noticed it. Nice. So subtle. That's Very really subtle. clever. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it would be. It would be. Uh, the Yeah. Also, there's some really bad lip sync on Marge there. She's like, why would you ever think of killing yourself? We love you. I wonder if there was a joke there. Like she says, like, how could you do that? Think of our insurance rate or something like that. Maybe they're like, no, let's. Let's just have Marge just say an honest thing about how much she would miss him if he died. And also the great animation of Homer with the boulder on him, saving his family from being run over. Yeah, it's like, the stone that's of, really impressive. The stone yeah. of punishment. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so Homer in a very like classic, honestly, Homer mood swing. He goes from suicidal intention to Oh no, I'm going to be Mr. Safety now. I'm going to get this stop sign. I have a new cause in life. Uh, and this leads then to the first appearance of Police Chief Wiggum at the town meeting. Uh, next on the agenda, Police Chief Wiggum will give us an update on our graffiti problem. Well, no, 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 our, our city is under siege by a graffiti vandal known as El Barto. Police artists of a composite sketch culprit. If anyone has any information, please contact us immediately. That's, uh, I mean, that is a very light touch on that Wiggum voice by yeah. his area there. Originally, it was uh, more of a David Brinkley impersonation mm. than Edward G. Robinson. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I hear that. They're like, please tell us immediately. And it's also like he's slightly thinner, has a dark cop suit on, and also like he's not driving around with the police. That well, that won't really happen until like season three. Yeah, they assume it's like, no, he's busy. <laughs> he's busy with this police stuff. He's not on, you know, the beat. Also, this is a very realistic town meeting as opposed to the normal Springfield town meeting, which is in a giant town hall and everyone attends. Like Krusty is there. Mr. Burns is there. <laughs> That's uh, a great point. I never really thought of that before. But yeah, the turnout that Springfield gets gets for these town meetings generally is quite fictitious. Yeah, I mean, the joke here is that like, it's a small meeting, no one cares. Homer gets his things approved because they just want to move on. But mm. in the future, it's like, no, town meetings are the biggest events in town. Everyone right. is there, they sing songs. <laughs> yeah, the uh, I mean, and also this town council is not really seen again either. Once, once they said that Quimby is the ringleader of every t city assembly, they don't need these boring councilmen. And we're going to get to more freaks later, but that guy on the left, the far left, so distracting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear he, Lord. He passes Lisa. It's also like he moves. He has an action of passing Lisa the El Barto drawing. So he's extra. It makes it even more distracting that he's a mutant who has action. He's not just a non-draw, a non He's not just a background character. He actually does something. Meanwhile, Jasper is just sitting right behind Homer the whole time. And this is Jasper's first appearance as well, though he won't have a spoken line until Bart the General. But uh, I think in the background he goes, oh, tough customer or oh, something okay, like you're that. Right. But he it's not Harry that. Shearer, I don't think. Mm -hmm. That's you're, You are correct. Yeah. Also, the El Barto. Uh, those jokes still pop up every now and then. You'll see an El Barto gag. I, I, it's another one of those season one jokes that you don't they just kind of didn't engage with enough but the obvious joke is that everyone should know that el barto is bart yeah. spray painting things and but nobody no one can figure it out i love bart's reaction to seeing the drawing of just like oh that's what they think i look like hey nice like that's that's funny 
It's like a sort of Bart in the future kind of thing, which is cool. Great. You're right. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's a lot like the drifter he imagines himself to be in separate vocations. Let's <laughs> see. Uh, he's lost my vote. Uh, but then Homer gets uh, the platform and he gives a, a little speech. Homer Simpson, local resident, has something. Mr. Simpson? Don't be nervous. We believe in you, Homer. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, esteemed councilmen, boys and girls, retired <laughs> people with nothing better to do. Danger comes in many, many forms. From the dinosaurs that tormented our caveman ancestors to Simpson, the... Simpson, get to the point. I think we should put a stop sign at D Street and 12. The other... All in favor? Aye. Aye. Approved. Meeting adjourned. Coffee and maple logs in the lobby. Wow. Hey, listen to me. All right, Dad. Way to go, Homer. You did it, Homer. If they think I'm going to stop at that stop sign, they're sadly mistaken. <laughs> yeah. That's a great yeah. joke. That's a great joke. That's one I think I caught five years ago. It's like, oh, that's a joke. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I like to, they cut off Homer's speech when he indicates that he thinks dinosaurs and cavemen lived at the same time. They're like, all right. He's got a whole, like, uh, the dangers accosting men throughout time speech ready. And they're like, (laughs) no, we're not going to just go. Just move on. Well, I mean, who I'd cut it short just to get those maple logs. Mm, Ooh, sounds good. Yeah. (laughs) It's about lunchtime now. It is. Uh, (laughs) But then we get the montage of like his uh, civic, uh, you know, the things he's doing for the for the town. Mm -hmm. And I I do like the sign ahead sign. Oh, yeah. But at at no point is it clear, like, how is this earning Homer money to feed his family? I, I. I guess it's just a side hustle he's doing or just a thing to fill time while Marge is still earning the money. Like, as he'll say later when he gets the job offer, he's like, I can't let Marge work for this family. So I have to assume she just is still working at the burger place and he's doing all of his safety crusade. Uh, I also like I do like the picture of him pointing at a dip side. Like, yeah, that's a funny. It, drawing. It's a good drawing of him. Yeah. Which I guess a dip could you is an insult to calling someone a dip. It's an old insult. Yeah. I like how Marge explains it. Just like a little mm, in the road. It's I love that joke, too, because it's like, no, there's not really a word for it. But, you know, the thing. <laughs> Anytime uh, Julie Kavner murmurs in an expensive way, I'm on board. Yeah. I, uh, mm. I mean, at the table read, I time to bring up that table read. Uh, but at the table read. Being there to see Julie Kavner in person go, mm, like, <laughs> yeah, that was fucking, that was great. I uh, also, yeah, first appearance of the Springfield Shopper in the series too. The uh, the erstwhile a- a magazine or newspaper you'll see from time to time in the series. Uh, and yeah, somehow Homer's safety crusade leads him to be a populist movements leader. Like he's, he is, he has a real organization here of followers, but he's not a nut. He's not a nut, but, <laughs> uh, but yes, Homer isn't satisfied. Oh, I am so proud of you. Proud, proud of what? Well, everything. Hmm. Your tip sign, for instance. Now people won't be caught off guard by that little mm, in the road. Ah, uh, what a great <laughs> family. But come on, we all know this is small potatoes. There's a danger in this town that is bigger than all the dips put together. What, Dad? I'm talking about <laughs> that. You don't mean you're going to take on your old bosses? Wow. Gee, Dad's a hero. What'd you say, son? Nothing. That's okay. I'll just assume you said what I thought I heard you say. 
I like that exchange too. <laughs> he said what I thought I heard you say. But yeah, I wonder now if they made Homer an employee of the nuclear power plant just for the third act story of his safety leading him to take on the unsafe power plant. I wonder if that's the only reason they like that it started as just Homer loses his job somehow and he then takes on his old job, which is a power plant. Yeah, I think you could be right. They weren't sure how long this would go. Mm-hmm. I also like uh, Bart's under his breath thinking his dad is a hero. That's a cute joke, but it's actually done better with his less shame speech in season five. I do like that, yeah. Uh, pride? No. Not that far from shame. <laughs> uh, and also, oh my god, Wes Archer, how many fucking crowds did his team have to draw in this episode? Jesus. Yeah, like, I mean, we're gonna complain about the crowds a lot, but uh, to be fair to the fine artist of Klasky Chupo, they were still developing characters for the show, and so at episode three, they're like, oh yeah, put a hundred new people with mm-hmm. all different features, all distinct from each other, put them together in this crowd. Yep. And the way it normally works is that like when a character appears on the show, like let's say uh, Miss Milan from the last episode, she has turned into a background character that could be slotted into you know the mall or a mob scene or you know the church or town hall but they don't have those characters ready yet so it's like uh make a where's waldo scene for homer to talk in front of essentially the directive they were given here the two barts conjoined at the head i think that's oh the craziest looking one in the <laughs> yeah uh, search for my name on twitter and uh, homer's odyssey and you'll find my thread and it is uh, it's a doozy as homer yeah, would say yeah. but i mean in a way I'm entertained by it and like it because it's like the show would never do this again, which makes these like rare and unique and special. Like at one point, Charlie Brown is in the crowd, which I noticed for the first (laughs) time. Yeah. Uh, And yes, as Homer's introduced to the crowd, I also like that the guy brings up that Homer pioneered a main street speed limit and that gets booed by his yes 15 (laughs) miles an hour instant boo uh i also think there's some very specific looking people in that crowd that definitely had to be klasky cheapo staff yeah like eric stefani has to be one of those guys in there i think uh but then we get to meet for the very first time perhaps the most important character in the series that isn't a simpson miss charles montgomery burns look at that man he has the crowd in the palm of his hand Uh, haven't seen anything like it since jolson (laughs) who is he (laughs) that's homer simpson sir he used to work here in the plant, but we fired him for gross incompetence. Oh, so that's his little game. I have Get this Simpson character up here right now. Oh, but Mr. Burns, I said, do it. Now do it, do it, do it. Our lives are in the hands of men no smarter than you or I. Many of them incompetent fools. I know this because I've worked alongside them, gone bowling with them. Watch them pass me over for promotions time and again. And I say, this stinks. Hey, hey, Simpson. Burns wants to talk to you privately. Privately? (laughs) Stay here. I'll be right back. So yeah, Mr. Burns for the first mm-hmm. uh, production appearance, and uh, we even get an excellent later. Yeah, <laughs> D- I said do it, so do it, do it, do it. That was his original catchphrase, mm. I think. Yeah, a little more, uh, not quite as. Eh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because Shearer, uh, if you watch Burns in this whole sequence, 
he is so posed out to specific words and statements that yeah. like re recording Christopher Collins's performance means like Burns, there's almost no room for Harry Shearer to change up the words or pace of the statements. Yeah, I guess we can't know what Collins' uh, performance was or what the voice sounded like. I don't think that's ever been released, but uh, maybe he's trying to match it closely. I think, I think in spirit, yeah. I think though, uh, so a couple fun things to mention about this first Burns appearance here i mean first off that it was designed by sam simon originally he was drawn i think envisioned as like a bigger guy as a like an imposing physical figure and an old rich guy but sam simon saw it more as like no he's a vulture he's like a bony old he's got a bony old behind said to look like uh, barry diller the president of fox at the time yes, yeah yeah <laughs> uh and, and he'd go on it's crazy to think that homer's like out of touch boss would go on to be like one of the all-time best characters in television but one of the wackiest characters yeah. too i mean he mentions jolson later we find out he he uh, dug up his corpse that, oh that's right <laughs> rather pungent uh, again th- though an al jolson reference another thing that you're not getting 30 years later on yeah the show. but i okay that this uh this is another thing i discovered from from checking twitter uh, the uh, really great Twitter account if you're a Simpsons super fan, that guy 3002, he often uh, tweets out original table drafts that he has. Uh, he didn't go full hardcore into Homer's Odyssey, but he did tweet out some interesting stuff from its original table drafts. And one of them was originally Burns says, I haven't seen anyone like that since Churchill. Oh, <laughs> and him saying Jolson, I think makes all the difference in every joke about the character that would follow since mm-hmm. then. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I agree. Saying that he's not seen an orator like that since Churchill, that actually kind of makes sense. And it, it's definitely an old timey reference, but it's somebody more famous, but for Burns yes. to say yeah. Jolson. Yeah. That shows that he has not paid attention to a popular entertainer since the 30s, mm-hmm. which honestly is almost too early for Burns <laughs> That's true. or too late for Burns. This is clearly sheer. There are definitely some misreportings on Twitter that that it's Collins in the original airing from January 1990. I it's I could find it nowhere like it's it's not out there. If somebody has the footage uh, from the original airing and it sounds different than the one that's on, you know, Disney Plus or the 2001 DVD show them to me because it they all sound like the one that is very clearly sheerer yeah i want to hear collins and what his his character (laughs) sounded like and uh, his head is so misshapen in his first shot too like it's just all yeah everything looks wrong about burns in most shots office is wrong yeah oh Oh, the office office. is so much more modest which is funny yeah it um they keep the bear does the the stuffed bear but does it not have x's for eyeballs which i found hilarious (laughs) yes in in this time they're like oh a dead thing has x's on their eyeballs yeah that's weird it's so like beautifully cartoony (laughs) yeah his office is way more like 80s or 70s not like the stately you know uh wartime like burgundies and wood paneling and very like kind of regal office he has in the future in season two it gets a real dramatic change they it was also something i wouldn't know unless listening to the commentary and wes archer points it out the painting of him in the background that just looks all bad him on a horse like a green uh, oh, horse no not that one the one that they say like looks like paint by numbers it's just like his face yeah that was supposed to be a warhol kind of like iconic painting like he did of uh marilyn monroe but it just oh, couldn't weird. come through like in execution it did not look like it but <laughs> 
Yeah, Homer is called up by. Uh, we also get to see the hired goons. Smithers is uh, right there with those coons. Oh, low blow, and what's the other guy's name? <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> I forget. Uh, I I can't remember either. Crusher and low blow. Yes, thank you. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yes. Homer then meets Burns for in-universe the first time, though this will be retcon and I married Marge that he'd met Burns when Burns hired him. Mm. Uh, but yes, it's the first meeting of Homer and Burns. Ah, Homer Simpson. At last we meet. <laughs> Same here. Simpson, <laughs> I want you to rejoin our power plant family. Sorry, no can do. Hear me out, Simpson. I don't want you to come back as a technical supervisor or supervising technician or whatever the hell you used to do. I want you to be in charge of safety here at the plant. Safety? But sir, if truth be known, I actually caused more accidents around here than any other employee. There are even a few <laughs> doozies no one ever found out about. The generous offer I'm making is good for exactly 30 seconds, Simpson. Me in charge of safety? This place could blow sky high. <laughs> nah. I'll concentrate on my work now. Gee, this guy's desk sure is big. <laughs> I can't let Marge support the family. This guy's got the cleanest shirt I've ever seen. What should <laughs> I... Time's up. Mm, what the hey, I'll take the job. Excellent. On, yeah, uh, on Frankie, yeah, first excellent, uh, which uh, I think a deal would say later in this in this season too. Mm. But I did gift the scene of Homer like squishing his head and like gritting his teeth. I it's so that. good. Yeah. It's so cool. In the way his like lips point out at one point, like, mm, like yeah, it's uh, there's some great Homer drawings there. That isn't thirty seconds though; it's close to it. Like it's, yeah. it is a really long thinking scene. I like that Homer tells himself like, no, I'm gonna focus more. Hey, that's a weird desk he's got. Like he's instantly loses attention there. Yeah. I just also, I mean, when you pick apart the joke, uh, like where the motivation in his brain came from to have the thought that Burns had the cleanest shirt he's ever seen. <laughs> it's a, it is very random. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's uh, Homer. Homer has attention deficit disorder. Definitely, he cannot pay attention to anything. But it's not the you know it's not the most well pressed shirt. It's not like mm. a nice collared shirt. No, no, it's just the cleanest shirt he's ever <laughs> Homer seen. is very filthy. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yes, then this bit here of Burns telling Homer to do something like every it's some of the best animation this episode because like every pose on burn yeah like when he puts is, his finger yeah. down like yeah like time to it's his like speech turn and say and point down yeah, yeah it's really good i uh let's give that a quick listen here your first duty will be to step out on the balcony and tell that crowd this plant is safe what I just love that. Like, this plant is safe. Finger down. Yeah. Tell that <laughs> crowd this plant is safe. Like, yeah, every every word has emotion, which also means like there's there's no room for creativity in in re-recording lines from that for Shearer, I think. And I think I had problems with the uh, the plot mechanics. I've always had problems with the plot mechanics of this episode <laughs> because I'm not quite sure what the resolution is. But I think I got it this time because it's very fuzzy. It's not communicated well. But Homer goes back on telling people the plan is safe. And then the threat to Burns is like, if you don't hire me back, I'll be a bigger problem on the outside. Mm. Is, that, is that what the trick is? I believe it's, so. It's always been communicated so poorly in this conclusion that it's still like very fuzzy to me. I think that I think you're onto it. It's just great because I don't think Homer 
understands that that's what he's doing, but that's the way yeah. I, I read it. Yeah. No, you're totally right, Andrew. I think uh, Homer doesn't know he's tricking Burns. Homer stumbles into a yeah. better negotiation right. position. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I think it is that Homer, Homer's told to sell out his principles. He won't do it, but he also just steps back. He doesn't say like, no, I'll never say that or whatever. But it says like, um, I got to talk some more. And then he goes back inside and that's when he talks himself to like to not. It's a real have his cake and eat it too thing for Homer. They they don't make him sell out his principles to say a place yeah. is safe that isn't safe. And he gets a job with a big fat raise. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Homer. Yeah, actually, let's hear Homer's negotiation tactics, because this is another like favorite line. I have a Burns in here, too. I can't do it, Mr. Burns. You mean you're willing to give up a good job and a raise just for your principles? Hmm. When you put it that way, it does sound a little far-fetched. <laughs> but that's the look you're looking at. Huh. And I vow to continue spending every free minute I have crusading for safety. Of course, I'd have a lot less of those free minutes if you gave me the job. Hmm. You're not as stupid as you look, or sound, or our best testing indicates. <laughs> You've got the job. Now get to work. I'll get to work. But first, I have to say goodbye to some friends. Yeah, I think Homer realizes what he did uh, yeah, and like kind of like, falls backwards in the negotiating with Burns. Like, oh, of course, I could have less time to rile up the crowd if you hire me. <laughs> yeah. But Burns seems to think it was his long-term plan. Yeah. I mean, well, this is the early running gag that Burns thinks Homer is a very good strategist <laughs> yeah. when, when he is not. Who's the egghead? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean the the you're not as stupid as you look, sound, or as best as our best testing indicates. That is so uh, great too, because it's just like what fucking examination do you have to take to get hired at the plant? Mm. The 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 plant itself would be taking <laughs> some sort of IQ test uh, to Homer. I love it. Uh, well, as we would find out that he was forced under Gerald Ford's uh, boots uh, project bootstrap. bootstrap yeah. Yes, oh, right. yeah. <laughs> Thank you, President Ford. <laughs> uh, this is more reminding us of better jokes than later ones. But you do see they're, they're laying out the path for Burns here. Like Burns, for all of the things that before this episode aired could cause Burns to go in, in a million different directions. I think that you can see the Burns we get is right here, like very close to it. And Absolutely. And it, uh, I was going to say, too, also the interaction, uh, the relationship with him and Smithers as far as like some classic uh, uh, Burns and Smithers back and forths when Burns is seen initially watching Homer leading that protest outside and he says who is that guy and Smithers says that's Homer Simpson sir we fired him for gross incompetence it reminded me of those uh, you know one of our boobs from Sector 7G yeah. you know, lines like that of how he describes Homer to Burns every time he asks who it is. Him reminding Burns of who Homer is. Yeah, I think the one thing they didn't yeah. figure out with Smithers, though, he's not quite as a, a much of a kiss ass as he is in the next time we see him. Yes. Right. Yeah. 7G would later be Homer's sector and named so because that is a production code for season one is 
7G. Sorry. Oh, interesting. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so we get the final scene here of Homer giving a speech to his crowd, which like, I don't know, as somebody who who likes populist movements uh, that can uh, political forces, it's very sad that Homer is just like, well, time for you all to disband. No one should take this over. It shouldn't continue. <laughs> just be safe on your own time. I mean, I've seen that crowd. I want them all to die. I don't <laughs> want them to be safe. Uh, look, there is a there is toxic waste everywhere in, <laughs> it's in true. Springfield. Think about that. Uh, he also just has that fantastic line when he starts the second part of the speech where he's saying, I'm going to have to live without your respect and awe. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I think I think a lot of that feels like second drafty and changing it up, especially if you listen to this, there's some Homer lines that feel recorded months after the other Homer lines. It helps that there's a giant bullhorn over his mouth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for most shots. Yeah. Uh, but, but here's the, the last lines of the episode right you have come to depend on me at your safety watch dog so you won't spread yourself or stub your toes or blow yourselves up but you can't depend on me all your life you have to learn that there's a little homer simpson in all of us and i'm going to have to live without your respect and all <laughs> <laughs> the only reason i'm telling you this is I'm going to be leaving you. Oh. But, but don't worry. I have just been appointed to do safety inspector at this very plan. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's my Papa, Big Dad! That like be careful. That that feels like a second ADR line yeah. too. That, yeah. that, there was no dialogue there originally. I'm guessing that, that sounds more like normal Homer than uh, than season one Homer. They're still figuring a lot of stuff out. I think a problem with this episode for me is that like man, Homer talks through a bullhorn for like most of the third act. <laughs> it's it's too much. There's th- just three scenes of him talking through a bullhorn. It's uh, it's very long. Yeah, yeah and that I, means he has to talk slower and in a distorted voice. It's not like very fun to listen to. Yeah, and it. Comes when they want to do so many front-facing drawings of him, it just obscures his face, so you can't even act too well, like in the animation. It's uh, it's a real challenge. Also, again, we talk about crazy drawings. Homer's dance animation looks so bad. It's I weird. Love it. <laughs> yeah, it, he looks like uh, uh, Henry. You're a big wrestling dude. I don't know, if, Bob. You watch wrestling, but it reminded me of uh, remember the Bushwhackers. Yes, oh. yeah. It does look like he's doing the Bushwhacker arm up and down. Like those yeah, were like that ape dance. <laughs> I, I followed wrestling in the uh, in the '90s. I actually uh-huh. used to have a Bushwhackers um, autograph. Wow. Oh, uh, nice. Guess where they were autographing things at a fireworks store. <laughs> <laughs> did you uh, did you later sell that and buy a house with it? Uh, several. <laughs> We're recording uh, one of them right now. No, actually, I made my uncle get the autograph for me because I didn't want them to lick me. Oh, and I yes, assume they yeah. would. It's, it was so weird that Bushwhackers licked a lot of children in those days. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Saying that out loud sounds weird now. Well, but, they're dead. But you're right, Andrew. That is such a monkey dance he's doing. And, <laughs> and also, like Homer's, his face just contorts into a very weird look in the side thing yeah but i noticed just like for as bad as this crowd is they asked the animators to do a lot of things they weren't used to do like now the simpsons is the crowd show yeah there's so many crowds and so many mobs and so many just organized groups of people this is the first time they had to do that and they don't have characters developed so like every shot is just new characters and they all are moving at the same time most of the time 
while I have no model sheet, so there's no consistency. And they also, I mean, in this scene, you pointed out on Twitter, they all have to gasp in unison, which is like, so they have to move too? Like, Jesus. <laughs> it's too, I feel very bad for the Klasky Chupo animators has to do this stuff. But like, like we said, first script written for the show, Kogan and Waladarski had never written for animation before. It They don't know that that's a difficult ask. They're not thinking about the pencil mileage of it but it is strange the episode ends with homer falling you know 20 stories and then being caught by his uh, his crowd of people too i think if you fall that far at you know from that height that's considered a plummet he, yeah, plummets, he plummets off of his balcony <laughs> i've always hated the end of this episode it's just so awkward and it feels like it kind of just cuts off but that fall i'm like i understand it's a cartoon but I, I don't know why. Yeah. It just never sat with me the right way. It's a more realistic season for the show, too. But it yeah. is so corny how the fucking theme song plays them out like bum bum It's like a real cornball move. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I mean he in in a real more realistic season one, he he would die and the t- people he landed on would die too. <laughs> yeah, totally. Right. At least crush some of those freaks. Though. Yeah. Though then again, like uh, in season 10, no, season nine, Burns will fall from that same height on fire and he turned out okay. So. Yeah, he had that special K. <laughs> <laughs> when Homer was dancing, it did remind me of dancing Homer as well. Yeah, it's a little too, bit of that. Right? But uh, uh, yeah, a, a wild episode with a ton of mood swings and crazy things and <laughs> rule breakings, but also like a lot of big firsts, like four of the most important characters in the series, Mo. Burns five Mo Burns Smithers Wiggum and Otto all make their first wow. appearance in this episode. And I'm yeah. really happy we really pinned down the suicide thing as a reference because it just felt so odd and <laughs> awkward. But now it's like, oh, no, that was a Flintstones reference. Mm-hmm. And it was a little softer to people at the time because they would recognize it as such. Classic cartoons were full of characters attempting suicide. It was a punchline over and over again. It was now, you know, 30 years later, we just are not laughing at suicidal depression. We want to understand it deeply. And so it's just, <laughs> it makes things very dark. I think there were like three Warner Brothers cartoons that ended with a character uh, saying, now I can only do this once. And then yes. they kill themselves <laughs> as a trick. The, uh, the famous, uh, what is it? The Tom and Jerry short. Uh, where he, whichever one is the cat, what is that, Tom? I Maybe guess. Tom. Uh, do you guys know what I'm talking about? He, it's a whole thing where like he gets dumped by his cat girlfriend, and he's mm-hmm. all depressed. And the end of the short is him literally sitting on the train tracks as a train barrels down on him. Uh, this uh, Him getting killed is definitely his fault with the train in this situation. But it just ends with like, woo, woo, and uh, just goes to black as this cat is killed Jesus. by a train. There's there's a Donald Duck cartoon too where he thinks Daisy is, has left him and he's pointing a gun at his head. I like mean, everyone who made those cartoons fought in World War II and saw Untold Horror. Yeah, yeah. They were all drinking <laughs> yeah. themselves into suicide, away or towards suicidal oppression, yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was their only the outlet. Donald short is on uh, Disney Plus by any chance? Um, I don't think so. There's. I was looking, they only have a few Disney uh, Donald shorts on Disney Plus right now. There was, there was a few I was looking for of like, they don't have the one where he wraps 
presents? Come on. I was wanting to watch that over Christmas time. So <laughs> I, yeah, I don't believe that one's on there either. So any that's, final thoughts uh, on this one, Andrew, before you go? Um, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because I feel like I was sort of trashing it, you know, when we got on the air here. And, it, you know, it's one of those things we've sort of, I guess, I've learned over the course of this conversation. You know, everything has to start somewhere. Uh, you know, I think about the the early few episodes of my show, which are quite terrible and unlistenable, I find. Um, you know, so everything has to start somewhere. This obviously is such an important part. Uh, the show is such an important part of so many of our lives. So it's interesting to go back. I mean, I never would have gone back and watched this had I not been, you know, chatting with you guys about it today. So it was cool. Like, <laughs> that's great. You know, Simpsons history lesson kind of a thing, which I do appreciate. But it did, it did remind me of something I, I do think about a lot, which is that, you know, I feel like the writing on this show used to really play to the top of the intelligence. Uh, and that doesn't happen anymore, I feel, from what I've seen. Again, I don't watch the show anymore. But also, uh, the sweet kind of moments that the show also had, it, I feel like it really found a nice way in these early years to kind of integrate that, fa you know, the family love kind of thing. And that's what I sort of thought here with like the cake, like even though it's sort of played for a joke, they have like a, a sort of sweet music cue mm -hmm. and you realize like it's just a nice thing that the family did for him in this situation. Uh, so it had those kinds of things, you know, like we love you, dad, like all of that kind of stuff, which it kind of, you know, decided to shuttle down as the years went on. So this was just kind of a nice trip back in history for me. Andrew, talk all about We Hate Movies, the Patreon. You guys had just came off a great month in December. We're in January now. You're starting your uh, worst of 2019. It should be about halfway through by the time this uh, podcast goes live. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I host a show called We Hate Movies. Um, you can find us wherever podcasts are available. And yeah, we do have a Patreon, which is patreon.com slash we hate movies. We're a comedy show where we talk about uh, all kinds of movies. Um, but, you know, generally, particularly bad movies uh, that we've found. So yeah, we're in our worst of the previous year month right now. Uh, so I believe around the time this comes out, I guess we'll have just released an episode on Angel Has Fallen. Uh, uh, we're, we're big fans of ragging on that Gerard Butler friend franchise it's a franchise uh, yeah <laughs> um yeah so you can find out uh, all our information at whmpodcast.com we have new shows uh every tuesday and on our patreon in just a few short weeks we'll be launching a new show called making it so where we are oh. going to be doing weekly recaps of the new star trek picard program wow. that's coming out Very on cool. uh, cbs all access yeah so we're super excited about that i know i'm going to be like crying through every episode <laughs> probably i have been enjoying the nexus for the past uh, three or four years your uh, oh, Star Trek right series you. very yeah. good and also your your Mandalorian half hour and the uh, I mean your Empire Strikes Back one too all your Star Wars stuff has been great as uh, as we say goodbye to Star Wars as apparently Star Wars is dead now but it uh, <laughs> yeah R.I.P. Star Wars <laughs> uh, yeah there was it was a big month of talking about Star Wars I think everybody here at the uh, WHM home office is ready to kind of take a break from a galaxy far far away and talk about a different kind of sci-fi for a while that's for <laughs> Sure. But thank you so much, Andrew, for coming yeah. back on. Yeah, thanks, guys, for having me. It's always a blast talking to you both. So thanks so much to Andrew Jupin for being on the show. Check out We Hate Movies and their Patreon. They've got a lot of bonus stuff on there. But we do, too, on our Patreon. If you want to support our show and get every episode one week at a time and ad-free, please go to patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. And if you sign up at the $5 level, you'll get just that, but also access to over 100 bonus podcasts that you have not heard if you are not on the Patreon. 
That includes a ton of miniseries, but also the newest one we just wrapped up in December is Talking Futurama Season 2 Part 1. Ten new episodes of Talking Futurama exclusive only to patrons, and there is so much going on at that $5 level. Too much to list here. But Henry can tell everyone out there what's happening at the $10 level. One extra long podcast every month that is voted on by patrons. That is correct. Our sister podcast, What a Cartoon, has a monthly What a Cartoon movie that's only available in full to our $10 and up Patreon subscribers at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. What a Cartoon movie covers a different animated feature film once a month. In December, we did the Iron Giant, Brad Bird's classic that has a bunch of folks who worked on The Simpsons animating on that. And in January, we'll be doing the Animatrix, the anime compilation film about the sci-fi cyberpunk classic. So please check those out at the $10 level and a ton of other stuff at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. So I've been one of your hosts, Bob Mackey. Look for me on Twitter as Bob Servo. My other podcast I do outside of this is called Retronauts. That is a classic gaming podcast all about video game history. Check it out at Retronauts.com or wherever you find podcasts to search for Retronauts. Henry, what about you? On Twitter, you can find me, Henry Gilbert, at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. I tweet about everything when this podcast goes live and all of our cool stuff we're doing. So follow me there for more information, H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. Plus, you should definitely be following the official Talking Simpsons Twitter account for all the updates as well. That's at Talk Simpsons Pod. We tweet out really cool stuff there, including our favorite Twister mouths, for example. Oh, yeah. A lot this year. (laughs) And you'll only stay in the loop at if you follow at talk simpsons pod on twitter thanks so much for listening folks we'll see you next week with a recording of our live show at sf sketchfest 2020 and we'll see you then Shortcut, Mrs. K. Trust me. 